In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Scott Manal, Sales Director of the Storage Initiative for the Amphenol ICC Group. Scott has been in sales for over 30 years, mostly with Amphenol, and we talk about his extensive experience of working out of his home office. He and I talk about setting boundaries, being flexible, and making sure to find some buffer or decompression time throughout the day when working from home. We also talk about how his approach with his sales team and with his customers has shifted over the past few months in dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. This is The Interface. First of all, thank you for taking time uh, out of your morning there in Corona, California to speak with me today and, and hopefully the larger Amphenol audience. And I know you've had a, a lot of history and, and, and some time in sales, especially over the years and uh, struggle. I guess you could say struggle that a lot of us have had to deal with over the last couple months has been for many of us not being used to working from home. And it's something that I guess we can consider you a an expert on this <laughs> on this topic of being I, I don't know expert, you know, that, yeah. that has a lot of connotations. I'm not sure I can live up to, but uh, certainly <laughs> opinionated might be a better word. But um <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, just to give you some background, this is the first time I've ever had an extended period of time from of, of working from home. And it has been good and bad. It's been mixed for me. I really didn't like it at first. I've kind of grown used to it recently, uh, but I still very much miss being in an office on a day-to-day basis as part of a regular routine. I mean, I went in last week to our offices for the first time in forever, and it was like it was like a warm blanket. It was great. I kind of missed it. <laughs> but yeah, there's something to be said for comfort zones, right? Yeah, exactly. But just how long have you been doing it? And we can go through maybe a little bit as far as some of the techniques about how you do it both mentally, physically, um, working from home. Sure. Um, it's been about 30 years yeah. that I've had a home office. So it goes back to the days when a home office really was not the norm for, for much of anybody. So how did you, when you first did it, when you first started working from home, how difficult was it for you to uh, transition to that type of a work environment on a day-to-day basis? No, it was challenging. Um, it, not unlike yourself, I was managing an office of about 15 salespeople mm-hmm. and you know the company I was working for at the time in the connector business as well as here, obviously. Um, made a decision to close the regional offices and put us all out of our homes. And at first it was, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to put on my work clothes yeah. and you know, try to emulate that whole work environment. Because th- this is going back to the day when coats and ties and those types of things were the norm. Yeah, um, That didn't last too terribly long. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm thankful to say it didn't uh, for, for dry cleaning expensive, if, if nothing else. Then... There was the challenge of where do I put the office? We were raising three children at the time. We didn't have an extra room. Um, the office migrated from the bedroom to the playroom and uh, several places in between. And yeah. that, that proved to be challenging at times, uh, but we did prevail over time. The, another thing, I, you and I spoke prior to you know, going on air, but um, a surprise for me was losing the transition between work and home. And I had an hour plus commute and 
I didn't realize this at the time, but that was my ramp up time and then my decompression time. Yeah. And so there was a hurdle that had to be overcome for distinguishing home from work, work from home when you didn't have that buffer separating the two. No, I, I agree. I have about a 30 minute drive to and from work every day, and it's the perfect amount of time to mm-hmm. to do exactly what you're talking about. You're kind of mentally preparing yourself for the day if you haven't already. And then you drive home and either, you know, listen to music or podcasts or whatever it may be. And that 30 minutes by the time you get home, you're like, okay, now I'm ready to just chill for the most part, you know, unless there's something pressing, you got to get back on your computer or something like that. But yeah, I, I and I see what you're saying now working from home your decompression time is walking from the, you know, the office in your, you know, off of your family room in the lower level of the house to the kitchen, which is, you know, eight steps and you go, mm-hmm. well, that wasn't enough. No, <laughs> you know, and the people that pay the price for that are your family members. Yeah, I you know. know. At least yeah. in my instance, you know, um, everybody has different personalities. I can be a little bit high strung when I get, you know, engaged in a work situation. The family lost that buffer of me being able to not be intense when I got home Mm -hmm. because if I get intense in my home office, chances are I'm going to open up the door, go downstairs, you know, walk around. But then I got this level of intensity that's, you know, being permeated within the family environment. Obviously they're used to it now and and obviously older. And I don't know if you still have, do you still have kids in the house? No, we don't. We, we have grandkids that visit almost on a daily basis, though. Oh, okay. So we still have that uh, that situation, which which I love. When you did work in the offices and you had your team and, and you saw them every day, what what do you miss most about having that opportunity to work with them and see them face to face every day? The term you just used, you know, face to face. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more that transpires when you are looking somebody in the eye, when you're when you're communicating to them across the table or around a bench or under a tree. Whatever. There's a lot that interpersonal relationship is critical, and that that's missed. Do you have certain things or certain rituals or routines that you do? to not keep yourself from going stir crazy during the day or during the week? Um, you know, it's a matter of flexibility. It's, it's a mental mindset that says, I have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to adjust. When I, when I first moved into a home office, I had to learn to adjust my expectations. Yeah. Uh, I had to, and, and, and there was a, obviously challenges that occurred. And one of the, the, Oh my goodness moments, you know, those ah moments was when my wife said, you know, honey, it's called a home office, not an office home. See what you can do to remember that you're working out of the home and there are things that you have to deal with that are, you're not going to have to deal with when you're in an office environment. Don't alienate yourself from your children. When you're, you know, at the time it was my little girls, now it's my little grandchildren. When they come over and they come running up and go, Papa, Papa, Daddy, Daddy, if you give them a nasty look and frown and say, Daddy's working, Papa's working, really think about the impact that that has and, you know, the the relationship that you have with that child, that granddaughter, that that, that child. And it's simple. All you have to do is just get deep and say, you know, I'm going to take this moment to enjoy this interface with the kids obviously there are times when that's not feasible 
Mm -hmm. And that's a matter of communication with those that share the home with you. Let's just transition a little bit here now. So you've, you've been doing this for a while. You've been working out of your home office um, for a number of years. But you probably haven't been home for this long of a stretch of time <laughs> as you have been for the past three months. So while you technically work out of your home office, I'm sure you're constantly on the road or at least managing people who are mm -hmm. on the road all the time. So... Can you describe a little bit about from now just a pure job performance standpoint here over the last three months, what that transition transition has been like, not only for you, but for your team, as you can't really do, you can't have those face-to-face -face meetings with your uh -huh. customers that you've had, um, you, that you have all the time. So how have you been able to manage that over the past few months? You know, one of the things that the current home office crowd has as part of a natural tool is zoom we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're on it now obviously and you know yeah. it's great to look at you and in some instances an argument can be made or a statement can be made that my face-to-face -face is actually increased in some respects right um, before zoom or whatever tool you utilize mm -hmm. has become the norm it was like yeah do i really want somebody looking at me in my office you know dressed like this you know and if it was available, it wasn't used because I could see that person in a day or two. Yeah. But now, in some instances, we're actually replacing a phone call with a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. You know, shooting on a message, say, hey, listen, you got a moment, you know, hey, jump on real quick. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think I've seen my team more virtually face-to-face -face mm -hmm. than I saw them in a previous circumstances and previous environments. So there's some benefits that have come from this, if in fact that would be construed a benefit, I think it would be. I work for Bill Doherty's organization. Yeah. And um, I really don't get back to the East Coast. My customer base is here on the West Coast. My team is West Coast, as far East as Colorado. And I will see Bill once a year. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's an environment, it's, it's a, you know, an international sales meeting or a management meeting or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. But you know, he did a podcast or a video cast or whatever technology term is appropriate the other day. And it's like, I'm sitting here with Bill Doherty in my, in my office. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I know it's, it's virtual. It's not, you know, the warm and fuzzy of a handshake or a hug, but it nonetheless was an opportunity to be more intimate with Bill than I've been probably in, in a number of years. With the advantage of seeing your team then, have you noticed an advantage um, with yourself and with your team as far as talking to customers more? Yeah, it's um, up until fairly recently, I've been pretty stringent, old school with regards to background noises, mm -hmm. um, things that I felt took away from a phone call or, or a discussion. Yeah, um, and I had another aha moment. I'm talking to a very important customer last week. And in the background, his wife is listening to music and he's sort of talking to her while I'm talking to him. And it's like, wow, this is the new norm, at least in this moment in time. Now, what yeah. transpires moving forward is yet to be seen. But we are now at a point where we are part of our customers' families. Yeah. And um, it's, it's the same thing as transpired with, you know, my, my employees. I've got one person. She's got little girls. 
mm-hmm. and they practice the piano. <laughs> and, you know, I'm trying to talk to her, and there's this piano practicing going on in the background, and I'm thinking, should I say something? Should I say, you know, can you ask your daughter to not do that? Because we're trying to have, and then it's like, wait a second, Scott. Why would I do that? I mean, we can have this conversation. It doesn't need to be this old school stuff, the environment where it's got to be quiet as long as she can hear me and I can hear her and we're able to concentrate on the point of it's working. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that's transpiring. Are you like me? Do you basically all day or you just in like shorts and bare feet, but you keep a collared shirt around just in case there's a video call and then you quick throw it on like a minute before, you know, I, <laughs> I, I probably would have done that if I would have known that we were going to zoom this thing today, you know, I, you know, I've got a t-shirt on, it's you know not, not exactly professional, but yeah, I still think that with all the laissez-faire approach to the business yeah. get together, I do believe that there still needs to be a level of professionalism that has its place. Uh, yeah, um, no, and I agree, and I'm 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 kind of half joking when I say that, but I am, yeah. you know, from here down, I'm a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, every time I'm on a a Zoom call, I'm like, I should probably throw on at least a collared shirt <laughs> or something just to make it look like I'm giving an effort. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was growing a COVID beard up until last week, and it was, you know, it's, I started to look like a, a, a street Santa Claus, and my wife says, you know, you really should rethink this. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm back to a much more trimmed beard. Yes, especially as it gets very hot there in Riverside County about this time of year, huh? Exactly, exactly. So let's go back. How did you become a a salesperson for Amphenol way back in the day? How did that all come about? You know, I started out um, working with Andy Toffelmeyer. Okay, and yeah, was, I know Andy. Yeah, and it was back when Andy ran the sales side, the marketing side of Amphenol Canada. And in those days, Amphenol had a policy or a procedure that says the entity in the that continent or on that continent Mm -hmm. would be the sales organization for the global activity and the global business units that were not in that continent. So all of the sales for multiple entities within Amphenol, which were many, quite a few less than they are today, obviously, um, went through Amphenol Canada. So he hired me as the Western regional manager and, um, you know, it's, it's been an interesting path ever since then. It's multiple acquisitions, you know, multiple changes in how we infrastructure ourselves, um, resulting in where I am today heading up what's called the Storage Initiative, yeah. which is a team of individuals that works exclusively with the storage device accounts for, you know, our particular group of Amphenol. Uh, being the director for Storage Initiative, that is largely part of the ICC group, but just explain a little bit about what that is um, for an Amphenol standpoint. Sure, the, the storage initiative really started about oh, 15 years ago and when it became apparent that this industry, the storage device industry, which at the time was hard disk drives, HDDs, uh, it was enough of a market to justify some focused attention. And uh, so subsequently, I spoke with Rich Ricciatelli, and he, you know, he blessed the program and asked what tools I needed. I said, you know, give me one person, and we can migrate from there. And subsequently, we have migrated from there throughout a number of storage-based entities, both on the HDD side and then morphing as technology 
moved forward into the SSD side as well. And what products and technologies are you largely leading with and, and Amphenol divisions that go along with that too? Yeah, I, while I'm part of Bill Doherty's organization, mm -hmm. I actually report to Sanjay Yadev, who is with these you know, SSIO operations, service storage. Um, and so 90 plus percent of our business comes out of Sanjay's team in the form of SABIT and SAS and the types of interfaces that you would utilize when you're marrying up a storage device, HDD or SSD, with a host system. Mm -hmm. Because we were able to build relationships though within these key accounts and their substantial accounts, we also took on the responsibility of ensuring of opportunities to grow additional business, not exclusively SSIO presented themselves and we would jump on the bandwagon, you know, and, and really pursue that business as well. So a lot of the storage device entities are now growing their business and expanding into host systems. If it's not host systems, it's test systems. So we do a substantial amount with high-speed mm -hmm. product as well, connectors, backline connectors, some cable assemblies. Uh, not extensive, but it's, it's, they're, they're good numbers, and we're really proud of that expansion. Over the years, as you're well aware, I mean, Amphenol's acquired a number of different companies, and with that comes new products, new technologies, and the challenge is always on the sales teams to figure out how to incorporate that into their you know, quote-unquote bag that they have to carry when they go see customers. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I'm sure over the years, your bag has increased tenfold, let's say. How do you handle that every time that you know we get a new acquisition? Is it difficult for you to like bolt on that new product or that new technology? Or do you just kind of weave it into the overall Amphenol cell? You know, it, um, if we were in the old school days and we're dealing with the catalog, I think our catalog would be like, you know, what, 10 inches thick, yeah. you know? And there's no way we as individuals can understand the breadth of our product offering. It's, it's just not feasible. Yeah. Um, what I direct my guys and I tell my guys, listen, assume we have it. If you're talking to a customer, assume we have it. We're the second largest provider of interconnection solutions in the world. Mm -hmm. There's a very, very good chance we have it. And if we don't have it, we, we probably can get it because yeah. that's one of the Amphenol, you know, that's who we are. We, we decide, do we want it? Yes, let's go get it. Let's make it happen. If it means capital investment, we do that. Right. But um, if you go to them with the mindset of we have what you need, you can work with your customers to figure out what is it that they need. And instead of pitching them, you're, you're satisfying a need. You're allowing them to tell you what they need. You Us telling them what they need is probably not going to bear a lot of fruit. Mm -hmm. But once you open up the dialogue and the customers communicate their needs to you, we're golden. An oddball question for you. What is it about sales that you like? You know, it's, it's a great, it's not an oddball question. It's, it's a great question. It's almost an interviewing kind of question. It's been a long time since I've been doing this of an interviewer's table. That's um, no pressure. You, um, you're not, this won't get you hired or fired. Yeah, but my job's still secure. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm a good deal, but uh, no, it's, um, there's so many things. It's the interpersonal side. Okay. It's the working with the customer side. It's the, the satisfaction of, you know, going into a meeting and developing relationships or expanding relationships. 
and being part of something that um, is, is, it's not necessarily internal to Amphenol, but it's, it's an external discussion. You know, in my case, it's the technology as it pertains to storage devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a lot of folks would find that, you know, mundane, but it's kind of interesting. Um, it's the flexibility of, you know, for, for the folks that are in a confined environment, in an office environment, day in and day out, hats off to you. I think, you know, obviously that's, it's, it's, it's an environment that is, it's a comfort zone. For me, being out is where my comfort zone is. Working mm-hmm. with, you know, the customers, working with my team, um, satisfying needs, you know, morphing needs into an actual design win, which morphs into numbers. Um, it's, it's, it's all good. And it's all that I know. Um, you know, starting, I won't tell you how many years ago I started with you know, Deutsch on the military aerospace side of uh-huh. Deutsch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know your world, at least as it was 25 years ago plus. Um, it's sales and interconnect sales is all I've known. So if it's not what I think it is, I wouldn't know the alternatives. How much do you think you have learned over this past three months that's been, that's made you, you know, reconsider how business will work for you moving forward? Um, we've talked a little bit about that as far as the virtual meetings is concerned, are concerned, and, um, the benefits that can come from having a face-to-face yet not being face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I ponder this occasionally, and I talk to my team about it, what the ultimate outcome of our circumstances are today. Um, we're certainly dealing with a, 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 a current scenario, but I keep wondering what's going to transpire right. in the future from this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, will I be getting on a plane? you know, four or five times a month, mm-hmm. you know, will I be sitting in conference rooms at customers' facilities? You know, will I be, you know, having business meetings with them or will I be doing what you and I are doing now exclusively? Yeah. Now, with all that said, I, I've told my team, be prepared. Mm-hmm. Okay. We want to be at the leading edge, whatever's next. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, face to face, is critical yeah so when the ropes come down when things open up when our customer base is prepared let's make this happen i mean you know obviously we need to be safe amphenol has been so good about that message you know so considerate the employees um really uber responsible yeah but there will be a time when it's time to you know open up with that you know put that shirt back on, put the slacks back on, you know, put the uncomfortable shoes back on, yeah. go stand in line. Well, maybe there won't be a line at the airport, but um, we want to be at the forefront of that. Final question I have for you. I peeked at your LinkedIn page and you have a quote that says, passion without discernment is foolishness. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, we want to be careful. There might be some editing that we need to do if you get me started on that path. Given our current environment, it's, it's, it'd be really crazy to delve into some of the things going on and um, how I feel about that. I, I think passion's wonderful. Yeah. Um, amphenol and amphenolians in general are extremely passionate. We're, by and large, you know, one might be considered as workaholics in some instances, mm. which going back to the home office, be careful of that. Yeah. Okay. You know, be really careful. Don't find yourself eating up at seven and six or five and being in the office until nine. You know, don't allow work to become your existence because it is your existence. It's there all the time. 
but be passionate, but be intelligent about your passion. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, take the time to understand why do you feel the way you feel. Use use the capabilities you have to go out and research. Is the way I feel founded in in reality, or is it a feeling mm-hmm. versus a truth? So discern, be discerning. No, I I liked it, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, that's a good one. I, I like that. I don't know if did you come up with it or did someone else come up with it, or did you, you know modify it over the years? I I I'd like to take credit for it yeah but i'm i don't know that i'm that intellectual to take credit for something like that <laughs> but but I, the guys on the street is i i might have um yeah. so you know unless somebody's going to copyright this or there's something someplace you know i'll take credit for it yeah, but, we'll give uh, you credit we'll check that there out. you go I'll, I'll accept the credit <laughs> well scott thank you very much again for taking time today to talk to me and um my best to you and the family, and and I hope all is well. Um, you know, over the next few months, as we hopefully slowly crawl our way out of this. You know, Chris, back at you, and um, on behalf of Amphenol, you know, employees, managers, and, and the like, um, thank you for what you're doing um, to keep everybody intertwined. And um, best of luck to you and your family. God bless. You.